Amen. Well, on this Mother's Day with one-third of my time gone, I'm going to have to abbreviate today to get everything finished that I want to accomplish. I do feel something on my heart today, and I'm going to turn your attention to a chapter that probably is being read in a lot of churches today on this Mother's Day, but I'm not, at least right now, going to take you to the verses they're going to read. We're going to look at some other verses as our text today. So turn with me to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, and as I said, many places we'll be reading somewhere between verse 10 and verse 31, as the writer describes the virtuous woman, talks about her strengths, her worth, her beauty her works. But I want to start long before we get to that. And I want you to pay attention to the opening verses of this chapter in Proverbs. Because there is something very significant that the writer said before he ever got to this point of talking about the virtuous woman. What he said is significant. Proverbs 31, beginning with verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. And we could continue reading, but I just want you to especially focus on a couple of things in this passage. First of all, in verse 3, The mother of the writer, which I believe was Solomon, and we'll discuss why he's not called Solomon in this passage. I believe it is Solomon, and I think most theologians agree with that. Solomon's mother, who was Bathsheba, 
in verse 3 began to talk to him about things that he should not do because they destroy kings. Now, now look, and I know you're standing, but you understand David had a lot of sons. He had a lot of sons. And could have handed the kingdom off to any one of them. But Bathsheba determined in her mind. It's going to be my son. And evidently from an early age began putting things in him. To prepare him for that role. Verse 4 again, it's not for kings. Not for kings, not for princes. Verse 5, she talks about the job of the king and how if you do these things, it will pervert your ability to do what you're going to need to do. But I want you to especially note what was said in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. The prophecy that his mother taught him. He didn't consider the things that are written after this to simply be mama's opinion. He didn't look at it like, well, that's just the old lady. But he said when she spoke, there was a higher authority behind what she was saying. This was a prophecy. And so today... And you'll understand my title in just a minute. But I'm going to talk to you for the next few minutes about a mother's Messiah. A mother's Messiah. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. I need His help. Let's ask God to help us today. praise you in Jesus name in Jesus name would you just worship the Lord for a moment everybody let's worship the Lord let's worship the Lord let's praise him together right now I love you Jesus I love you Jesus praise God God bless you you may be seated as I have pointed out to you, 
Solomon opened this chapter by identifying the words that were about to follow as not just some idea or concept in which his mother believed, but he said it was a prophecy. A prophecy. The Hebrew word is the word from which I draw my title. The word is Massah. It can not only be translated prophecy, but it is an utterance. It is an oracle. It is a word that is given, especially among the Hebrews, a word that is delivered from God. We often think of prophecy as only talking about future events. And that's why I think it's important that I explain to you. Solomon wasn't saying that my mother was predicting the future. But he was saying that what my mother taught me, and that's what he used in verse 1, what my mother taught me was not something she devised on her own. But God gave it to her. It was an oracle from the Holy One. Solomon was saying, as I conclude this book of wisdom, this list of Proverbs, I want to pass on to everybody what my mother instilled in me. For it was what she taught me and what she said to me that made me what I am today. And so it was that he spends these first several verses sharing with us this Massah, this anointed utterance from his mother. And then in verse 10, he picks up and begins to talk about the virtuous woman. Read for us, Brother Goff, verses 10 through 12. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and in not evil all the days of her life. Now, now, now I want you to think about the context here. That Solomon is discussing, my mother taught me some things. My mother put some things in me. She developed me into the man that I have become. And then he says, let me tell you about my mama. That's what he's doing. When he starts describing the virtuous woman, I don't believe he's just talking off the top of his head. But I believe he is doing his best to paint a mental picture of the woman who raised him. The woman who nurtured him. Her price is far above rubies. Why? Why? Because she put something in me that taught me how I needed to live. 
She put things in me that kept me from doing what others were doing. She put things in me that set me apart from the rest of the crowd. That's why my father's heart learned to trust in her. Because she did him good all the days of her life. Read on verses 28 through 31. Her children arise her up. Her children arise up and call her blessed. And call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. He praiseth her. her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest but thou them all. Excellest them all. Favor is deceitful. Favor is deceitful. And beauty is vain. And beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now look, look, I, I know, I know, I know that that Bathsheba uh, was involved in sin. But I'm telling you that somewhere, somehow, this woman got a hold of something from God. She got a hold of something that overrode the sin of her past. And she made up in her mind, I'm going to instill something in the heart of my boy. She could have spent her life regretting that sin and may have. She could have spent her life hiding in shame and embarrassed by what she did. But instead, she said, I'm going to spend my life making sure my boy doesn't make this mistake. I'm going to spend my life putting something into the heart of this son of mine. I'm going to do something to cause him to stand out among his many brothers. I don't want him to just be one among the number, but I want him to catch his daddy's eye. Many daughters did virtuously. Solomon said of Bathsheba, you have excelled them all. Favor's deceitful. Beauty's vain. But when a woman fears God, she shall be praised. Now, now listen. I'm telling you that the reason Bathsheba's word struck such a chord in the heart of Solomon is that it wasn't just what she said, but evidently it was how she lived. Is anybody going to help me this morning? Evidently, based upon this understanding of the whole description of a virtuous woman there was something going on in the life of Bathsheba there was something that had transpired that pushed her beyond what she may have been in the past and caused her to become something of which Solomon was very proud You'll remember that when Solomon, I don't have time to read all these scriptures, but when Solomon saw his mother walk into the palace after he was made king, he called for a royal seat to be set right beside him. He was going to treat her royally. Solomon understood, Mama, I owe a whole lot to you. I would not be where I am today if it were not for you. 
Now, I would remind you, I would remind you that it was Bathsheba who at the end of David's life, when David's son, Adonijah, decided he was going to become king, it was Bathsheba who went in and pled before David and said, are you aware? I'm skipping down here. I'm, I'm skipping down here, brother. Brother uh, Goff, because I've, I don't have much time, find for me 1 Kings chapter 1. It's, it's in the notes, 1 Kings 1, verses 16 to 20. Read that for me. And Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance unto the king. And the king said, What wouldest thou? And she said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now behold... Adonijah reigneth, and now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. And he hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and hath called all the sons of the king and Abiathar the priest and Joab the captain of the host. But Solomon thy servant hath he not called. And thou, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are upon thee, that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. And so it was that Bathsheba went in in the closing moments of David's life and pled before him. She said, I want to see Solomon as king. All of Israel's looking at you right now, David, to see what you're going to do. Are you going to let Adonijah become king or are you going to make Solomon king? Now, right after she got through, Nathan the prophet came in, began to talk to David, but when Nathan got through, David said, you can look this up for yourself. David said, bring Bathsheba back in here. Bring her back in here. And when she came back in, David said, Solomon is going to be the king. Amen. It was because of the plea of this mother that Solomon assumed the throne. Now, now in my haste, in my haste, I've skipped over some things. Let me just back up for a moment and explain something to you. I, I mentioned that when uh, this uh, chapter opens, Proverbs 31, when it opens, uh, the writer identifies himself not as King Solomon, but as King Lemuel. And then uh, he, he, he begins to talk about what his mother taught him. And the question arises, why did he use this name? Why was it that he would not identify himself as Solomon at this moment? Well, I want to tell you, I believe the reason was, and, and you're going to have to back up, but get for me Proverbs 31 verse 4. I don't know if you caught this. It's after he begins to say, these are the things my mother taught me. This was the Messiah. This was the utterance that my mother gave me as he's quoting his mother. Read verse 4. It is not for kings. It's not for kings. Oh, Lemuel. Oh, Lemuel. She didn't call him Solomon. She called him Lemuel. Now, why did she call him that? Well, I'm going to tell you, Lemuel is a compound Hebrew word. It, it comes from two separate words, Lemo, which means belonging to, and El, which was the Hebrew name for the almighty God. Amen. I want to tell you what Bathsheba did. She looked at her boy, and she said, I 
I'm going I'm to let you know something, Solomon. You belong to God. You don't belong to anybody else. You're not like anybody else. You have a special call on your life. I'm going to give you a name that sets you apart. This is going to be the name by which you shall identify yourself, Solomon. You shall be Lemuel. You belong to God. And that's why she could tell him, these are the things you should not do. Don't give yourself to wine. Don't give yourself to strong drink. Why? Because you belong to God. I don't see where any of Solomon's other brothers ever got a hold of that concept. I don't see where any of them ever learned that lesson. But see, they didn't have the same mama that Solomon had. Amen. There was something different about this mama. There was something somewhere that she got alone with God evidently. And God began to put things in her heart. Why do you think that when Solomon was just young and freshly anointed and God said, I'll give you anything you ask for. I'll let you ask for anything Solomon whatever you want the sky's the limit I wonder today what our request would be if God appeared to us in a dream and said you name it and I'll give it to you I wonder what our request would be but for Solomon there's no hesitation there is no delay he said God I don't know how to lead this nation I need your wisdom what do you think it was that brought this out of Solomon why do you think that Solomon would require wisdom above riches and health and power why do you think that would be the first request on his lips when God asked him what do you want I believe his mama put something in him I believe that Messiah that she gave him when she started calling him Lemuel you belong to God don't do anything that's going to displease God don't do anything that's going to upset God. You belong to God. I know and I confess somewhere along the line Solomon forgot about all this. Somewhere along the line Solomon started following his own intellect. Started using his own wisdom. We talked about that I think in the last podcast. So if you haven't heard the podcast, this is a shameless plug. Go back and listen. I talked about Solomon and what he did. Amen. But I still contend that at very crucial moments in Solomon's life, he leaned upon that Messiah. He leaned upon that utterance from God and he depended on what mama put in him that you, O oh Solomon, are not going to be like any other. I'm going to tell you, nobody can do that for a child like a mama can. 
I, I, I wish I had more time today. I've got so many examples I'd love to give you, but follow with me. Let me just get as many of these as I can in the few moments that I have left. I want you to consider for a moment how Moses became the great leader that he was. Amen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 29. Read for us. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, 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 look, look. I want you to pay close attention. We've heard these verses over and over and over. Sometimes we've got to stop, especially when we're familiar with these verses, we've got to stop and pay attention once again as though we've never heard them before. He refused to be called what? Pharaoh's, he, the he, son of Pharaoh. The son of, Moses knew who his mama was. Moses was not confused. Though Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, Moses never questioned who his real mama was. He knew who she was. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God uh -huh. than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Yes. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Yes. For he hath respect unto the recompense of do, a reward. Do you understand what the writer's saying? That if he would have just remained and identified himself as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he would have had an inheritance coming to him. Pharaoh was his grandpa. Amen. He would have had a great inheritance that would have been laid out for him. But no, Moses couldn't do that because Moses knew everything. Every time he looked at Pharaoh's daughter, he was no doubt thankful that she saved him out of the Nile, but he still knew, you're not my mama. You're not my mama. I got another mama. I got another mama, and she taught me some things. Oh, yeah, look at the choices he made. Read. By faith he forsook, he forsook Egypt. Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured, he as endured. seeing him who is invisible. Yeah. Through faith, he kept, he the, Passover kept the Passover and the sprinkling of, sprinkling blood, of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Uh-huh. By faith, they by passed faith, through the Red Sea. He passed through by the Red dry Sea. land. Yes. Which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. How did Moses keep making these right decisions? How could Moses make these kinds of choices? Well, hallelujah, I'll tell you how, amen. Now, let's go, let's go now back up to verse 23, Hebrews 11, verse 23. I got to hurry. Read. By faith, Moses, when he was born. When he was born. Was hid three months of his parents. He was hid three months of his parents. Because they saw he was a proper they child. They saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, now look, look, the, the, the writer of Hebrews was inspired of God. I believe every word of this. He gives credit to them, to his parents, plural, that his parents saw that he was a proper child, that his parents hid him. His parents were not afraid of the king's commandment. Obviously, obviously, daddy had something to do with it. But let's go back and read the actual account. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And when they... 
And there went a man of the house of Levi. A man of the house of Levi. And took to wife a daughter took of to Levi. wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived now, and bare now, a son. Now, 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 pay attention. Pay attention. Verse 1, there was a man of the house of Levi. He's mentioned. But then it says, he took a woman of the house of Levi and... And the woman she, hang conceived. Hang on, hang on. Back up. Read, read verse 1 again. And there went a man of the house of a Levi. A man of the house of Levi. And took to a wife. He took a wife. A daughter of Levi. A, a daughter of Levi. Read. And the woman conceived. And the woman, and the woman conceived. Read. And bare a son. And bare a son. And when she saw. And when she saw. Him that he was goodly that child. That he was a goodly child. She hid him three she months. She hid him three months. And when she could no and longer hide him. And when she could no longer hide him. She took him for an ark of bulrushes. She took him an ark of bulrushes. And daubed it with, slime, it and with slime and with pitch. And put the put child, the child therein. therein. And she laid it in the flags she by the river's She laid it brain. in the flags by the river's brink. I'm telling you the only reference to Moses' father in this passage was telling us that he married Moses' mama. That's it. Everything else is what she did. Everything else is what she put into place. It was how she saw things. It was the way she protected her son. Is anybody hearing me? Now, let's skip down. Verse 5, start reading. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her handmaidens walked along the riverside, and she saw the ark among the flags. She sent her maid to fetch it. Uh-huh. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. Uh-huh. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Yeah. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse no, no. of the Hebrew women? Now, wait a minute. How did Miriam just happen to be right there? How did Miriam get there? How did Miriam happen upon this incident? Hallelujah. It's because mama was standing there watching. Mama saw what was going on, and mama positioned Miriam where she'd be right at the right place at the right time. And so Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse of the Hebrew woman, women that she may nurse the child for thee? Read. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yeah. Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Uh-huh. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away. Take this child away. And nurse it for and me. And nurse it for me. And I will give thee and wages. I'm going to pay you to do it. And the woman took the child and, and so nursed it. Moses' mama took Moses and nursed him. And the child grew. And he grew. And she brought him unto and Pharaoh's daughter. And she brought daughter. him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. Uh-huh. And he called his name Moses. Yeah. And she said, 
Because I drew him out I'm of the water. I'm telling you, it was Jochebed. It was Moses' mama that taught him he was a Hebrew, not an Egyptian. It was Moses' mama that spent time with him. It was Moses' mama who evidently had gotten the Messiah. She had a word from God. There's something special about this boy. He's a goodly child. There are others that are sacrificing their sons, but I can't do it with this one. He's got something special in his life she had a word for him she said I'm going to protect him I'm going to work with him I'm going to teach him I'm going to train him I'm going to take every available moment and drill this in him it was his mother who nurtured him while she nursed him it was his mother who witnessed to him before she weaned him It was his mother who instilled into Moses the fact that while he was destined to live in Pharaoh's palace, he would always be guided by God's promise. I'm telling you, Moses' mother had a Messiah. She had a word from God and she was determined. My son is not going to be like any other. I'm going to teach him right. I'm going to train him right. I'm going to instill something in him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, help me today. How about Hannah? What about this woman, Hannah? Amen. She prayed to get him. Even when the priest came out and marked her mouth, which uh, theologians say means that, that Eli slapped her in the face. Uh, she was there praying. She was in travail in the house of God. She was groaning until she reached a place she couldn't even speak the words that were in her soul. And that backslidden priest couldn't recognize the hand of God upon Hannah. But I'm telling you, in that moment, Hannah was getting a Messiah. She was about to receive a word from God. She was about to receive something, amen, that would forever shape the life of the boy God was was going to give her. And I'm telling you that in those years that she's nursing him and she's training him, in those years while she had him at home, Hannah put something in Samuel that set him apart from everybody else. Let me show you the very first recorded act in the life of Samuel. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the first thing the Bible ever says, Samuel did. 1 Samuel 1, 28, this is when Hannah has brought him to Eli and reminded Eli, I'm the woman that you thought was drunk, but God gave me a promise that day that I'd have a son And God kept his promise. And I promised God in return that I would loan him to the Lord all the days of his life. And so she now presents him to Eli. And here is the closing remarks on that transaction. 1 Samuel 1.28 Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as 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 long as he liveth. 
He shall be lent to the Lord. Uh-huh. And he worships. And he, that is Samuel. And he worshiped the Lord there. I'm telling you, the very first thing that the Bible says about this young boy Samuel, not that he went crying after mama when she left, not that he sat there and felt sorry for himself because now he's in a strange place. Now he's surrounded by people to whom he's not even related. But the Bible says the first thing that Samuel did, he worshiped the Lord. How did he get that kind of attitude? How did he get that kind of a heart? I'll tell you how. He got it from his mama's Messiah. She put something in him. She delivered to him a word that was going to keep him. In fact, that's the first thing the Bible says about him that he did. He worshiped the Lord. The second recorded act. Now, obviously, there are things that happen in between, but the second thing that God took note of, the second recorded act in the life of Samuel. Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister. And the child did minister unto the Lord, unto the Lord. before Eli the priest. He ministered to the Lord in the presence. Of Eli the priest. And I'm telling you, Samuel didn't see himself as the slave of the priest. Samuel saw himself as a minister of the Lord. I'm here to serve God. In whatever capacity I can serve him, I'm going to, listen, are you getting this? His first recorded act, he worshiped God. His second recorded act, he ministered to God. The third thing recorded about him, verse 26, this is 1 Samuel 2, verse 26. And the child grew on. The child grew on. And was in favor. And was in favor. Both with the Lord. Both with the Lord. And also, and with, also men. with men. You talk about mama setting a course for a boy. You talk about mama setting a direction for her son. Amen. He grew on. He was in favor first with the Lord and also with men. And then the fourth thing that's recorded about him, 1 Samuel 3 verse 10. And the Lord came and stood. The Lord came and stood. And called, and as, called at as at other times. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel. Then, Samuel, then answered, Samuel answered. Speak, speak for, thy servant for thy servant heareth. The fourth thing we know about Samuel is he was attuned to the voice of God. He started a conversation that night that did not end to the day Samuel died. I hope you're hearing me today. Amen. That conversation, brother God didn't stop that night but God kept talking to Samuel God kept sharing things with Samuel God continued to communicate with Samuel and it was all because of what Hannah put in him in the beginning oh Jesus hallelujah let's talk about another mama 2nd Kings Chapter 4, beginning with verse number 8, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8 read. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem. Elisha 
went to Shunem. Where was a great woman? And there was, now this is interesting. The Bible doesn't say that her husband was a great man. I'm sorry, guys. You'll get your turn next month. But the Bible doesn't call him a great man. But she was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And she's the one that extended the invitation for Elijah to come and have a meal with them. Read. And so it was. So it was. That as oft as he passed as oft by. As as he passed by. He turned in thither to eat bread. Uh-huh. And she said unto her husband. She said to her husband. Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of now God. Again, in an interest, her husband's clueless. I mean, really. He's not saying, woman, do you realize who's coming to our house? She has to go to him. And say to him, I perceive this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Read. Let us make a little chamber, let's, I pray thee. Let's build him a room. On the wall. On the wall. And let us set before let's, him there a bed. Let's put a bed there. And a table. A table. And a stool. A stool. And a candlestick. A candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Now listen, this woman... This great woman, something about her, she recognized the man of God that was passing their way. And she said, I tell you what we need to do. We need to make a place in our home for this man of God. We need to have a special place for him, a place where he feels comfortable, a place where he feels at home. We're not going to clutter it with a lot of things. We're not going to fill it up with, you know, it's not going to be our storage place until he comes by. We're not keeping the old Victrola there, broken down bicycles. Let's just give him a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. He'll have light to see by, a chair and table where he can write if he needs to, a place to sleep. He knows he can eat with us. We're just going to give him what he needs so he can feel comfortable. But we want him to feel at home at our place. Now she made this chamber for the man of God. The man of God was impressed. Told his servant one day, Find out what she needs. Obviously, Elisha was going to pray that God would give it to her. And she said, I've got everything I need. I dwell among my own people. All is well with me. I, I don't really have any need. So the servant came back, and Elisha said, well, then what should be done? And the servant said, well, I will tell you this. They don't have any kids. Oh. So Elisha told her, about this time next year, things are going to be different in this household. You got a bouncing baby boy on his way. 
She said, don't lie to me. The Riggin Revised Version, Elisha responded, I ain't lying. I'm telling you the truth. It's going to happen. And it did. And the child grew. And one day, he's out there working with his daddy. That clueless daddy. He, at least his dad was a hard worker. You've got to give him that. His dad's out there working in the hot sun. And this boy is out there with him. And starts complaining of a severe headache. Take him into his mama. Let's pick up verse 20. 2 Kings 4 verse 20. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid now, him. He died. And then she went and, and she laid him on the bed of the man the bed of God. Of the man of God. And shut the door and upon shut him. Shut the door and went out. See, she was glad at that moment she'd made a room. She was glad at that moment she'd done something special for the man of God. She needed that room more than she had ever needed it before. Are you still hearing me today? Amen. And then when she went out, she started giving orders. You get the donkey saddled for me. I got a trip to make. Her clueless husband tried to stop her. Read it. It's in there. Bible doesn't call him clueless. I am. But he's trying to stop her. It's not Sabbath. It's not new moon. What do you think you're doing, woman? She said, I got something to take care of. She didn't try to explain it to him. He hadn't really understood anything so far. But she knew. She knew what needed to be done. She made her way to the prophet. Let's pick up in verse 25. Read. So she went and came into the man she of God. came to the Mount of God, to Mount man of God, to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off. When the man of God saw off, her afar off. That he said to Gehazi, he his said servant. said to his servant. Behold, yonder is yonder that Shunammite. Yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray Run thee, to meet her. and meet her. And say unto her. And say to her. Is it well with thee? Is it well with thee? Is it well with is thy it husband? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the is child? Is it well with the child? And she answered. And she answered. It is well. Where'd she get that? Where did that come from? I'm telling you, if it had been well, what was the reason for her to saddle that donkey and find the man of God? If it had been well, what was the reason for that boy that was laying on that bed? Where did she get that answer? I'll tell you, I believe God just gave her a massage. God spoke to her and said, Mama, you don't have anything to worry about. Your boy is going to be okay. You're now in the presence of the one that's going to fix things. It is well. Elisha tried sending his staff with Gehazi. I said, here, take this. Don't stop. Don't, 
Don't speak to anybody. Don't get distracted. You go and you lay it upon the boy. And nothing happened. But the woman would not give up until Elisha himself came. He came. He came. He prayed. Nothing happened at first. Let's pick up with verse 35. Then he returned, he returned. and walked in the house to and fro, uh-huh. and went up and stretched himself upon him. Uh-huh. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Now I'm going to tell you something here today. This woman had made room for a miracle to take place in her boy's life. Mama was the one that had the foresight that said things are going to be different in this house. We're rebuilding things. We're reshaping things. Amen. She was married to a man that just didn't seem to be able to tap in to the spiritual side of what was going on. But thank God for a mama that refused to be like anybody else and she refused for this special son of promise to be like any other son. He's going to be a miracle child. He was a miracle child when he was born and now he's a double miracle because God gave me this boy again back from the dead. Oh, hallelujah. Ah. I got to close. I could talk to you about yet one more, and I won't read any scriptures, but, but let me just say there was another mama. There was another mama that knew that her son was destined for greatness. There was another mama. Because an angel of the Lord had appeared to her and said, don't be afraid because that which is born of thee is of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, Mama went through a lot of heartache, but there was a reason why God chose this young girl to be the mother of our Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that everything that happened in the early days of his life, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary responded to that angel, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary put something in that son. Hallelujah. To prepare him for greatness. Can I say today, on this Mother's Day, I want to talk to you mothers. Musicians come. I've got to close. But I want to tell you something. You need to make up in your mind. Your children are not going to be like every other child out there. Well, that should have gotten a better response. You need to make up in your mind. Your son, your daughter is not going to be like any other They are destined for great things.
things. They are destined. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. They are destined for great things. You got to put something in them. You got to make up in your mind. Amen. That you are going to instill in them. Not just what you think. Not just what mama thinks is best. But you better get a hold of what the word of God says. And plant it deep in the hearts of your children. Let them grow up to know what is right and wrong. Amen. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. Listen, mama, it's your job. It's your obligation to get a Messiah from God. It'll work. It'll have an impact. It'll make a change. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. You need to instill in your children that they are destined for greatness. It's not about whether they become famous by this world's standards. It's not about whether they become rich and amass a fortune. You better put something in them that they know what God says is right and what God says is wrong. I'm preaching today. You got to be careful, mama, that you don't just baby them and let them get by with every sin and every form of ungodliness. You need to hand them a Messiah. You need to have a word from God. You need to instill in them something. So that when the day comes, they too know I'm a Hebrew, not an Egyptian. Moses didn't always make every right decision and we can't, we cannot control the decisions they make when they're on their own. But what we do control is the influence we set before them and the example we give to them. Just as Bathsheba did, at some point she decided, my son's not going to know me as an adulteress, he's going to know me as a virtuous woman. I'm going to live it in front of him. I'm going to give him the example. I'm going to teach him by my actions. And I'm going to get a word from God that I can instill in his spirit. Let's lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Mama, if you want them to come to church, lead them in the way. If you want them to pray, show them how. 
you want them to worship, give them an example. Let them see it in your life. I know sometimes the men have to go it alone. Situations, circumstances. I certainly don't want to leave our men without hope. Because I'm telling you, you've got a role to play as well. And if mama's not going to do it, then it falls your lot. And you can be that positive influence. But my point today, somebody's got to get a massage. Somebody's got to get an oracle from God. And know this is the direction for my family. This is what my family needs. Why don't we all gather around this morning? I'm inviting everyone to come and find a place to pray. Let's talk to the Lord together, everybody. Come on, let's kneel before Him. Let's pour our hearts out before Him today. God, help me to be an example. Help me to instill what's right. Lord, let them see you in me.